Hello, I'm Brett Terpstra, and you're listening to Systematic. This week's guest is Pete Wright, a podcaster, producer, and photographer, among many other things. I know him as the co-host of Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Welcome to the show, Pete. Hey, Brett. Glad to be here. So as far as your kind of day job goes, podcasts are a big part of your life. Is that fair? Yeah, big, big part. Yeah, we've got, I've got, uh, I don't know feels like 13 shows something like that whether it's whether i'm producing for myself like our personal shows or uh or for clients 13 14 somewhere in there yeah like a whole network's worth yeah truestory.fm uh and that'll be the last plug (laughs) i promise fair enough um your uh your co-host on the adhd podcast nikki is uh is scheduled to be a guest on this show as well um she 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 her f- f- more from the uh adhd coach perspective than than you'll have but yeah no I'm i looking... just i just have the adhd she's the coach part and that's that's why we're you know we're like the wonder twins of adhd podcasting so <laughs> she's great she's amazing I, I i we've been doing the show for 10 years this year and uh it's been the, the community that's come up around it has been just really uh, you know for me personally is living with adhd and my special brand of it. Uh, it's it, the community has been incredible uh, for for me. It's yeah, great. yeah, for sure. Um, we have a, a Discord for overtired and systematic, and yeah. the overtired Discord has become pretty much an ADHD conversation place. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's really it's it's fun to connect with uh, people who I guess know how to live with and work with their ADHD. If you spend too much time hearing from people who are doing nothing but but suffering, like it's fun to commiserate with people as well. Right, right. But it's really well, exciting to get like positive feedback from people too. Yeah, it is. But you know, for me, like I I really love hanging out with people who are who are living with ADHD and people who are struggling to live with ADHD but are trying. And that but are trying carries a lot of weight because yeah. like that is a huge difference in the kind of, of people that are attracted, certainly attracted to our show and our community. And we've got the Discord server too. And um, it it's just so illuminating when people come and have already given up and you see the turnaround and they recognize that they've given up by just dint of hanging out in the server and watching people who are doing amazing things with yeah. their ADHD. Um, so it's, it's really cool. Well, I would say you, you've been, uh, you've been a pretty successful, uh, a, a good success story for ADHD adult life. Um, what, what would you say if you had to say, uh, that there were benefits to ADHD, how would you, how would you coin that? Hard. I, so, um, I, the when when I can control hyperfocus, it's a definitely a benefit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, for sure. I I just find I I, like, I hear this a lot in in people, particularly in the sort of people who don't have ADHD, <laughs> saying well, ADHD is a superpower, and hyperfocus is a superpower. And I just I really I hate it. I hate that <laughs> because like those are people who don't recognize that all the superpower stuff is totally unregulated. Like yeah. I can't control when I need to rip all my CD collection over a weekend. Like I can't control, <laughs> I yeah. can't control that. And I can't control when I'm working on a website and I forgot to eat for 72 hours. Like I can't control that. And it directly impacts my health. And we had somebody on our show who said, um, you, you know, who told us that uh, ADHD is, is one of those massively under, um, uh, acknowledged conditions, just how dangerous it is that people with ADHD have a 12 year shorter lifespan than people who are without ADHD because they don't do things like take their medication. They don't do things like, like, and not ADHD meds, like their heart medication. Sure, they sure. don't eat. They just eat cereal all the time. Like they just don't take care of themselves because it's, it's their, their brain is, is not functioning in this, in the way that the system expects it to function. And th- that's what makes it just so insidious. And so, you know, in terms of silver, silver linings, I'm, I-, I like to think I'm a pretty creative guy. And um, I-, I struggle with context switching, I get pretty uh, engrossed in one 
thing, one tool for a kind of a long time. And I really struggle with like shifting. It's been, it's taken a lot of years to kind of uh, build the muscles to adapt um, and, and learn to move from one thing to another without completely like losing my thread. But um, generally I'm, I'm pretty creative and I, I really, I think I use my, my hyper-focus time well when I find it. And um uh, apart from that, it's it's kind of a lot of work being in the brain, you know. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, you should try combining uh, ADHD hyperfocus with bipolar mania. Yeah, that is oh, that's a man. trip. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I just I I listened to you know some of your recent episodes. Now that you're you're back in the in the big chair, and uh, I'm just like God. More power to you, man. I. Just your stories of what you have done to like to to move your brain in and around the space and time in which you live is laudable. That's very kind of you. It's really impressive. I, I feel like I'm uh, in a constant mode of survival, but yeah, it, yeah. It, I don't think people. I mean, I think people, I think you present so well that I I don't think people uh, largely probably underestimate how much work it is and probably how tiring it is just to just to do your thing it's actually really nice to hear that because i feel like i i my my whole life i've felt like um if other people could be inside my head they would be shocked like even as a yeah. kid i understood that things like i thought differently from everyone around me mm -hmm. and i think is it is it an adhd symptom to feel pain more uh to be like more sensitive to pain like physical pain yeah. or others' pain? Physical pain. I don't know. I can't answer that. Okay. I wish I, I could. I, I, don't I guess, of, with, yeah, with maybe now I should just like go that. back to all the all the stuff I'm feeling and figure out if I'm just <laughs> feeling it more. <laughs> that makes this whole COVID thing, uh, you know, well, I know that, a little bit more severely. I know that ADHD people are uh, more susceptible to issues of addiction. Yes. And issues of addiction often happen in people who are more sensitive to physical pain. So uh, I yeah. thought maybe there was a correlation there. I'm 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 both of those things. So Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we have so many different topics we can talk about. Um my ADHD brain is trying to narrow them down right now. This this thing came up before the show. That I'm actually really excited to talk to somebody about, though. Um, okay. And it came up on Overtired as well. But there's an app for the Mac called Bartender. And for <laughs> ADHD people who maybe need less clutter on their desktop, an app that, like, basically removes things from your Mac OS menu bar is it's kind of a perfect ADHD tool for me. Do you use okay. it? I use it. I I've used it for years, and uh, Bartender Three was just rock solid and completely just stable and trustworthy. And uh, I I really love how easy it makes the menu bar. And then you know Big Sur, and I don't have um, when it comes to like technology and software updates and getting new stuff. I I don't have any breaks, and so I know because it's my production machine. I should not have upgraded to Big Sur. And I also knew immediately that I would. And so I did. And Bartender 4 was only released as a, you know, Big Sur ready beta. And it it acted as a beta. It is, the problem is it's so beautiful. He, they've just done such amazing work on this thing. And I, I don't know how many, how many in your like hidden sub bar, how, do, how many apps do you have in there? Let me take a quick look. About 15. Okay, I've got, I've got 25 in there and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven that I leave always yeah. active on the menu bar. Do you uh, have any always and, hidden ones? Because um, I have another 10 always hidden ones. Always hidden ones. I actually, now that you say that, I don't know what I have. Let me open my preferences because I don't know what I have always hidden. Um, always hidden. I have nothing always hidden. Hmm. Um, I have a bunch that are like, you know, because it does that awesome thing. Like when there's activity, it will show right. them on the primary menu bar. So if it's stuff like Dropbox, if it's acting up, it'll show up there. Backblaze, you know, it'll show up there. And so I, I really, I love, love, love the way it works. And it's just, I, I complain about it because the beta broke 
and it started asking you for payment and wouldn't accept payment. I, of course, I want to pay. I want to pay twice. Like, I just give, let me have it. But something didn't work. And I, my brain just like flipped out for a minute. The The deal is with, I, I cannot recommend this thing highly enough. If you're on Big Sur and you want to just wait until it's super stable, wait until it's really released, but it's worth it. And and the, the current beta, it's after I restarted, got everything worked out. It, it's fine. Well, it's fine. On Catalina, they they dropped the secondary bar. And you basically, you would have to, it, it would re-expand in the menu bar itself. And there was this yes. delay to it. And it got really, um, like, it, it, it was still so beneficial that I wouldn't want to live without it. But the, the delay was uh, annoying to me. And now yeah. in Big Sur, everything is back to being instant. You have the secondary bar. You can opt to have it like have the bar display anytime you hover over the menu bar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the beta expired. It uh, wasn't supposed to, and then it wouldn't. It like you said required payment. And when you go to the site, it would tell you, you don't have to pay. There's a big banner at the top that says you don't have to pay, but I skipped that. <laughs> My yeah. brain just didn't register that. I went straight to the pay button, uh, paid the upgrade price, even though I used the set app version. This is what kills me. Like, I should have known oh. I used the set app version and I still, I, like, I had a, a license anyway because I used it prior to setup. And so mm -hmm. I, I paid the upgrade price, then realized that not only did I not need to in order to use the beta, but I had it all for free with setup anyway. And I still don't regret paying for it. How, how are the betas, betas handled in setup? Do you, you just have access to it yeah. through their license? Because I'm not a setup member. Yeah, I don't, it, I don't have it. So. It basically, like, you always have the latest version at no extra charge with setup. And in this case, okay. that means it's running the the beta for uh for Big Sur users. Okay. Fascinating. You don't have setup? Yeah, it's it's fantastic. No, I know, right? Ah, uh, God, see, the, I this is the this is where I start carrying shame. I know I probably should. I don't know. I mean, I guess I need to look through all the all my apps and see how many are also on there. But now, see, I'm I'm at that inflection point or beyond the inflection point where I have so many apps that are probably in setup that I've already paid for that now is how much value is there? <laughs> well, they've hit 200 apps now. And, oh, for crying out loud. And I, because I'm, I use, I use enough apps only on set app that it's worth the cost to me. But then I also, all of the apps that I own licenses for, I also use the set app version. So part of my, monthly payment goes to those developers as like continuing support. So uh -huh. I, it's, of course, I'm a developer and full disclosure, I get set app for free uh, oh. because I have an app. All right. I have an app on set app. On set app. Okay. Uh, right. But that said, I would gladly pay the, the monthly fee. How does it, so how does it work for you as a developer? I'm assuming it's Mark. Yeah, that, yeah. That's what you have on there? You didn't put bunch. Okay, so how does that work for you? Do you find it as a developer, are you getting the kind of value that you expected? Better, worse? It, so it, yes. My, my monthly payments have consistently gone up for a couple of years now. Um, and it has, it has not grown at the way that they said it would when they first pitched it to developers because mm -hmm. I was one of the early ones. Um, yeah. But it has been a steady source of recurring income, a reliable, growing source of income that I can count on uh, repeating every month. And it hasn't cannibalized my other methods of sale to an extent that would negate its value. So I'm not getting rich okay. off it, but I'm also not right. disappointed with what I'm getting out of it. Well, and I mean, any opportunity to have a line that creates a floor in your business is yeah. fantastic, right? Given how variable everything else is. Totally. So that's great. Okay. You know, maybe just for you, I've already paid for Mark. I know I've paid for Mark more than <laughs> I need to because I love it so much. And also now I should just join setup and only use Mark, right? Is that, that helps you even more if I, <laughs> just, if I just do that. <laughs> it does. It's not my recommendation. Right. Like there are so many good, 
good apps on <laughs> yeah. there now, but uh, right. including Bartender. Yeah. Gah, I just paid for it. <laughs> so All one right. of your uh, one of your podcasts, one of your many, is the next reel. Yeah. You are are you a big movie guy? Yeah. No, I'm a pretty big movie guy. I my uh, initial partner and partner in True Stories, guy named Andy Nelson, and he um, he's a uh, filmmaker and producer and screenwriter. We actually met in college. We were we were RAs together, and we happened to be duty partners, and would just we went to University of Colorado and would just wander the halls of our dorm. Um, shout out Baker Hall and uh, and talk about movies and and probably ignore a lot of behavior that we should have written up as RAs, you know. Uh, but we did talk about a lot of movies. And so uh, in 2011, I finally wrote him and I was like, we need to talk about movies as a podcast. Uh, this is going to be great. It's going to be great. So we've been doing it ever since. We Each week we take, we sort of peel apart a different movie as part of a series uh, that we're talking about. So we'll talk about, um, we're, we're in the middle of the Underworld series right now because um, Kate Beckinsale, we posted a picture of Kate Beckinsale on Instagram like a year ago and it blew up the next real Instagram. Like we get some traffic on Instagram, but Kate Beckinsale pictures are huge. And so we thought, let's just do all the Underworld movies. So five weeks of Underworld movies, wow. anything with PVC outfits. Would that happen with any attractive woman or is there something special about Kate Beckinsale? There is something inscrutable, mercurial about Kate Beckinsale. I don't know, but we've, we've got, you know, 10 years of movies and the Kate Beckinsale factor is a legit thing. Huh. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand it. But um, anyway, so we've been having a really good time talking about vampires and werewolves, but we talk about all kinds of things. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a movie guy. I'll admit I've never watched any of the Underworld movies. You're okay. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're okay. It's, <laughs> I mean, they are exactly what you get on the tin. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it, they're not, <laughs> they're not under promising anything. <laughs> so uh, it, yeah, it's, you know, it's good. Uh, but they did, the, the thing that I like about it, they do, they're very creative from production design perspective, right? They do things in those movies because you could just feel that the team is standing around on set and saying, you know, it would be cool. And nobody's there to say, but does that make sense? And that's kind of fantastic. Right. And so that's why it it is a series with stunts that actually get tested on Mythbusters. And I just love that. Like there's this sequence where our main character, Kate Beckinsale, is standing on the floor of this hallway and the werewolves are coming. And she has these two um, machine pistols and she shoots a hole in the floor around her. Right. Yes, she just starts spinning and shoots around. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's nonsense, practically. <laughs> but even when you see it debunked, you still love it in the movie. Like it is just, it's crazy and dumb and awesome. So, so do you, guilty pleasure. I'll admit, I, I don't listen to enough podcasts to have gotten around to this one. Do you guys get into a lot of the production details more so than yeah. uh, like plot and storyline? Yeah, we do. Um, because we're super into like, how did it get made? Like, where did the where the ideas come from? How did they get it financed? Um, you know, and then, you know, how to how to do an award season. And how's that? And Andy is a he's a spreadsheet guy. And just as a producer, he loves coming up with metrics that kind of unify or, or allow us to normalize performance of movies over time. And so he came up with adjusted profit per finished minute of the movie. <laughs> and so he adjusts per era so you can actually compare you know something from 1940 with something from 2012 uh because he has rationalized those dollars and he's he's looked at the budget per finished minute of the film so you don't get the like titanic factor or you know movies that are just incredibly long or incredibly short ending up being wildly more or less profitable so you can actually see how did these movies do in their era in terms of general performance. And it's really fun to start looking at that and see like, what are, what are the most popular movies, um, you know, per finished minute. Yeah. I'm, I may have to check this podcast out because this sounds a lot like the way I watch movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, we, we have a really good time with it and, um, yeah, we, we like to learn about the movies as you know, it's good. Have you, have you ever listened to overtired with Christina Warren? Yeah, she, big fan. She, I, I, yeah, she's great. She's the kind of person Film who girl. adds all of those details and facts to, like, we talk about a TV show, and she knows like 
what this actor was doing in their personal life at the time this scene was filmed and can add these dimensions, this data that I, yeah. I wouldn't otherwise have. I find that very intriguing. Yeah, right. Like, for example, just speaking in, in the uh, uh, Underworld universe, we call it Underworldia. Uh, and the, Len Weissman was the director behind it, and he was married to Kate Beckinsale, and he's directing Kate Beckinsale and Scott Speedman in this, like, steamy sex scene that's also nonsense. And uh, we just, like, those kinds of things, like how people put them put their heads in place as professionals yeah. to do things that, personally, we would we would find challenging to do. We love talking about that. Nice. So it, can I can I just rapid switch topics as if we were both ADHD? Yeah. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> you. You mentioned so I got a standing desk, uh, mostly for my back, uh, yeah. and I have a treadmill for it, which I use on and off, like not all the time yeah. that I'm at my desk. You mentioned you got a wobble board. I got wobble everything. Yeah. Tell tell me how and why, not the how so much as. Well, first explain what it is, and then and then explain why. Uh, so uh, th there are a number of related issues to to why I got the the wobble board. It's the fluid stance balance board for standing desk, and uh, it's essentially made of like old rubber tires, you know. And and um, it's just a board, looks like a snowboard, uh, not as long as a snowboard, obviously, but it has a, a bulge in the middle that allows you 360 degree rotation. And um, I I got it uh, for actually for circulation because I had COVID and we, and I'm having some long hauler stuff. And I don't know if that's interesting at all, but we can talk about it if you want. But the, the point is my doctor says we need to try and get your feet moving more throughout the day, like feet and ankles and vascular system. And let's get, get things going. So try this wobble board. And so I got the wobble board and it did what it needed to do for that. But the, the knock-on benefit that I did not see coming was what it requires of my brain to stay engaged at the standing desk while balancing on this ridiculous thing is just enough to raise the attention level like that 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 uh, attention floor for ADHD yeah. that allows me to focus longer than I um, have been able to heretofore in the past. Like it's amazing for me. Um, and and it really fits my my kind of inattentive just having having something that requires me to engage my core engage my feet and my knees allows me to focus on whatever project i'm working on better than it, it ever has That's it's great yeah it's crazy it's the equivalent like we can't go to coffee shops but i used to do that all the time like i i i built my entire tech stack so that i could pick it up and leave and go someplace else because i need that change of environment yeah. like i need coffee shop noise i need people moving around like something to allow me to focus through allows me to focus more and this is that thing at home that i've discovered after like 10 months now that is it's been crazy successful for me. And I've, I've been using it for a month and a half. And I just, uh, I love it. I, there is not a minute that I am now standing at my standing desk that I'm not on my wobble board. I may have to try this. It's really cool. That's, that's quite the uh, testimonial. And yeah. I'm betting that's well, not how they market it. No, and I, I don't think they will. <laughs> but it works. It, it works great. And they're, they're not the cheapest. There are a lot of models. They're not the cheapest. This is, I just want to underscore, because when I said wobble board, like my, I've got a daughter's 18 and she, she's uh, uh, athletic and really likes her trick wobble set, right? Which is like a, the thing that they do tricks on, right? Yeah. It's like the, the wobble part is not attached yeah. to the board. It's essentially a like a four by eight on a cone and you do all kinds of skateboard tricks. This is not that. This is not dangerous. <laughs> like if you if you tip too far, you're falling like an inch and a half. Like yeah. <laughs> you're really okay. Um, so what I'm picturing. That that. And I also, yeah. What, how, how old are you? Oh, I just turned 48. Oh, that's not. So do you remember in the 90s, there were these things, I think they were called pogo balls. It was... It, pogo balls. Oh, oh, oh. It was like a ball, a squishy jumping ball. You put your feet on it and you held onto like a rope well, or something no, there was in the middle. No, it looked like a UFO. There was like a platform around a squishy jumping ball. And you would okay. kind of like squeeze the ball yeah. between your feet and then just jump up and down on it. That's what I'm picturing every time you say wobble board. 
I don't feel like a grown-up human when I say <laughs> I say wobble board. I don't. I feel there is not a little bit of shame when I say, oh, my ADHD requires a wobble board. I'll, I own that. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so um, what else you got? You're going to change gears again? I'm ready. I, I probably am. Let's talk about music. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what, what, what is kind of your, your musical history? Like what, what were you into in high school? Um, well, okay. So I remember there are musical moments that like when you ask that question, I remember so, so clearly. Do you have that experience? Like, and cause I was just, I was transitioning from vinyl to CD and uh, because I got my first car and I was super excited about putting a CD player in the deck. And I remember that driveway moment when I got, and I was also, do you remember like BMG or were you ever oh, a part yeah. of the CD mail? Columbia clubs, House. Right. And... So Columbia House. Yeah. I was a member of both of those because I was really irresponsible with credit cards. <laughs> and I will never forget putting the CD in the deck, sitting in my driveway and hearing, um, Hello city, hey, another night, right? Gordon, summer of like 92 from Bare Naked Ladies w is seared into my, uh, into my brain. That was inc an incredible experience and a great production. And I can, I think the same thing with like Love Sexy in 88. Um, I'm, a, I'm one of those, that era of Prince fans. I'm a massive Prince fan. And so, but I, I just remember that production in particular. Um, Peter Murphy's Deep uh, was 89, and I'm a huge fan of, of that era of music. But I mean, I'm The Cure and Concrete Blonde and um, Prince, and I, I'm, I'm in there. Okay, okay. Have your musical tastes changed in your, your later years? Yeah, well, I think so. I mean, I, I learned to, I, I, I also play, right? I play the piano and, and um, guitar, not great but enough to like hang around around <laughs> a campfire and i sing and actually that's how i got through college was like singing on the street uh with an acapella group and uh, in new york city and um that was so i i kind of have um i i have those musical uh veins and uh and so they've I, I just was exposed to a lot and um so i love jazz i love um but but i also love trance and um I really love Nine Inch Nails, and uh, every time I, I can, I'm, I'm making dinner, and I'll just start screaming head like a hole, and my kids <laughs> hate me for it. And, Do you ever uh, hear, so. call me a hole? <laughs> no, Somebody, uh, I forget the artist's name, uh, and it got pulled off of SoundCloud, but it was a, a mashup of call me maybe and head like a hole, <laughs> and it was nothing short of brilliant. It, it was amazing. That is high jump, low ceiling, man. Like what? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'll, I will see if I can find a link to that for the show notes, uh, if it exists totally. anywhere anymore. But it is, if you're a fan of the Pretty Hate Machine era, Nine Inch yeah. Nails, and you have any appreciation for Sugar Pop, it is an amazing combination. Yeah. So I look at what Apple Music is recommending me right now, just to give you an idea. And like the top screen, Mason Williams uh, phonograph, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Classical Gas era, Seal, 1991, uh, Maroon, Bare Naked Ladies, uh, Glee, The Music, Volume <laughs> 5, and Megan Trainer Essentials. What has happened here? So uh, I am I am embarrassed to even uh, say that out loud on your podcast, but that is what it exists right now. It's out there in now. My list, in my listen now. Yeah. Yeah. Mine mine is uh, equally eclectic, but um, I, think, I think I've always, and I don't know why, but I've always leaned towards what would be considered alternative. Um, yeah. And, and not like Nirvana alternative. Like I, I didn't even like Nirvana. I wanted stuff that, nobody else was listening to possibly because nobody else was listening to it. Um, sure. In, in my adult years, that's definitely shifted. I totally get into, into popular music now. Um, do you know, let me, let me ask you though, controversial opinion. What do you, where do you stand as somebody whose musical genealogy is, as you state, 
Where do you stand on somebody like Billie Eilish? I love Billie Eilish, like God, so me much. Too right. <laughs> Why do my kids, eighteen and fourteen, not like Billie Eilish? <laughs> that is bananas that to is. me. I have watched. She's like callbacks to everything that I love. Yeah. Yeah, I've watched so many videos, like uh, like behind the music type stuff, interviews with her, and I love her whole process. I love her voice, and she writes creepy, weird music that I love. So creepy, and her videos are amazing uh-huh. from a filmmaking perspective, <laughs> from a production perspective. She is stunning. She's stunning. Yeah, my uh, my uh, number one played track of 2020 was uh, you, sh- you should see me in a crown by Billie Eilish. So good. And that video, that video with all the spiders, like shot on an iPhone with spiders crawling everywhere. It was amazing. So good. Well, and the other one where she's the, what is it, where she's got the, the, she falls into the oil slick and is walking with the world on fire yeah, under. I can't remember, I can't remember song what song that was. But the, the video is crazy good. I, so I'm talking to, here's another, I'm, I'm going to change uh, gears. Uh, I'm talking to my mom and, She's, I regret to tell you, she doesn't listen to Systematic. And she tells me, this is some months ago, she says, well, that's it. I can't vote for Biden. And I said, what's going on? I don't mean to get political, but I just a little bit. <laughs> and she says, he was endorsed by Cardi B. And I just watched that WAP video and I can't stand it. It's contributing to the downfall of moral fabric in this country. And I was like, okay. All right. I had to launch into a massive text thread with my mother about um, about reclaiming sexuality and hardcore <laughs> rap and that it's about damn time that we have more of this. And now we have, uh, you know, Cardi B, who's always been kind of uh, on the forefront of this. But, uh, you know, I think uh, Ariana Grande's latest album is like all over the, the you know, uh, it's super porny. And uh, it's it's like, I don't know, where do you stand on on this stuff? Like, like the moral fabric of women owning their sexuality in music? Oh, it's that's such a uh, uh, landmine uh, field. No, oh, is it too? Is it is it too much? Well, I mean, because so I hang out with a bunch of like um, feminist uh, uh, theory professors, right. and I hear like I I realize every time that these kind of topics come up, I realize that there are so many nuances to the discussion that I can't like you can't paraphrase. Uh, yeah. Well, like I, to the extent that I don't have a stance so much, like there are so many um, questions of the um, the entire kind of sphere of academic feminism. Uh, there's a lot of disagreement, and and rightfully so. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. a lot of different voices to be heard there. Um, so I'm more of a I I like to listen. But I don't ever feel comfortable really having uh, a hard and fast opinion on any of it because a lot of it is constantly um, changing and updating. Yeah, right, right. Uh, well, and I, I totally get that. And I, I feel like it was a couple of years ago, I had to actually theme my year and I wrote uh, above my computer on my wall. I just put a, a post-it that says, do you really need to care about this? <laughs> And it, just to remind me that I may be having an emotional reaction to a subject that is um, that I don't I don't really need to care that much about it. Like it's the world will keep spinning. I choose choose my my heavy topics carefully. And this one surprised me because a it's coming from family, and it seemed it it seems like I'm getting more and more of those kinds of conversations where. Um, where my worldview is departing from people that I care about and trust and have grown up with. And that is a new thing for me in this era. And, and so I, I think uh, Cardi B kind of is representative of, uh, I got I to gotta develop a new muscle here. I've got to learn how to have these harder conversations if they're things I care about and they're people I care about, uh, because it's not going to get easier. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. 
I, uh, I, that's what's, that's what's going on in my brain. I have a similar note to myself that just says, is it worth it? That makes me pause when I'm in manic ADHD, hyper-focused phases that I have to pause and do like a cost benefit analysis on whatever I've been obsessed about for three hours. Yeah, totally. I we had a, a guest on our show, uh, Sharon Celine, uh, Dr. Sharon Celine. She's amazing, and she said she has an acronym that's "Wait Now," and she uses it to, for you know people with who have uh, impulsivity challenges. And and it, the acronym is "Why Am I Talking Now?" <laughs> and I love that so much. And we've adapted it in our house to be like it, it doesn't work as well. It's "Why Am I Doing This Now?" Uh, because both my kids are diagnosed, and um, and so they they. We share that as a trio, we share that that little affirmation and we use it on each other. Like sometimes my kids will come in my office and they'll see me just knocking around doing stuff that's not related, clearly not related to my work, like just diving into more YouTube videos mm-hmm. or something. And and they'll ask me, why are you doing this right now? And I have to stop and think, oh, God, I've trained them too well. They actually see through me. So here's a topic that that might lead to more discussion than we have time for, but how has uh how has ADHD affected you specifically during this pandemic? Yeah, that's that's pretty big. Yeah. Um well, okay. So the very short story is uh I I spent uh, my my ADHD experience is more around recovery and um and because I I had ADHD or I had COVID. I had ADHD for the month of July. Also I had COVID. <laughs> And, uh, and, and so I was, you know, I was in bed. I was, it was one of those cases where I never had to go to the hospital, but it was like, we were monitoring my pulse ox every hour. And if it dropped below this number, it was called the emergency room and it never dropped below that number. But it was one of those things where I just was, I spent July not breathing and, uh, dealing with just crazy inflammation and just, it was, it was incredibly painful. And I am, I am ridiculously gun shy about this disease as a result sure. now. I don't. And and so after I, I started getting better and started getting back to work, we discovered lots of vascular, like cardiovascular uh, issues that were lingering. And as a result, my doctor has given me all these tools and things to do at home that force me essentially to hyper focus on the stuff that gives me the greatest anxiety in my Ouch. life. Right. Yeah. And so I'm having to take my blood pressure, you know, three or four times a day at random times. I have to constantly, I got the new Apple watch because it does the pulse ox easily and quickly, and I don't have to carry around another device. And so I'm constantly monitoring my blood oxygen level. And that, like, I, I have a, a, a deep anxiety of heart issues sure. and I just have lived with it forever. And it, you know, I, one of the other podcasts I do is called what's that smell, a sometimes funny podcast about humans and their anxieties. And, you know, we try to learn about anxieties and people write in and share their anxieties for us to learn about. And one of them is, is for me, it's just all internal body stuff. I'm super aware of what's going on in, in my heart. Dad had a heart attack. I was his primary caregiver. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. And so the act of like my ADHD is so triggering right now because I have been told to do this, to focus on it. Like I don't, it's not like I can sit back and be mindful and say, okay, I just don't have to think about this right now. Try to change, change gears, try to find joy in something else. I like, I have to do this. And it's, uh, it's bananas. It's, it's taken me in some pretty dark places, like just more experiences of panic, more experiences of false symptoms of, of heart attacks. Like I'm, I've, I've never been more wrought by my, what my ADHD is telling me to think about than now. It's, it's hard. So are you fighting against your ADHD to focus on this stuff or are you fighting or is your ADHD overtaking you in this case? Well, it's overtaking. I think that's the that's the biggest challenge for me is that my ADHD is like so I I just like super into the data and the graphs and I'm charting my blood pressure and my systolic and diastolic and how are they changing and what are the tools that are working and in the background my ADHD is not letting me turn that off. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like you just, you live in that sort of ever present void of analysis and thought and introspection. And at the same time, it's physically exhausting. Yeah. 
and the the panic attacks that are, I mean, I went on this like it was the my, the last panic attack I had. It was like eighteen hours, and I was just like in tears on the couch, and my wife is holding me, and she's like, you know, we're just trying to to you know we're trying to engage it and trying to embrace it, and that's. Um, you know, that that's one of the things I've been learning with a, a therapist I do a podcast with. And he, he said, um, you know, when you're when you're engaged in a panic state, uh, one of the ways you can sort of start to, well, I'll, my words, not his trick your brain is to say, OK, panic like I, I feel you come and bring it on and you can really engage it and say, look, give me that panic attack. Let's go. Here's what it feels like. When is my left arm going to go numb? Um, when am I going to have shortness of breath? When am I going to start crying? Like, when am I going to when are these things going to happen? And invariably, they they don't. When you get practiced enough at this strategy, you can engage that state enough that you can trick your brain and say, and and soften the blow of what you would normally expect. And I'm still very new at engaging, and it's really hard to say, okay, let me have this terrible experience right now. Um, and uh, you know, it's like it's like the invisible bridge in uh, the Last Crusade. You know, it's like you, I want to kick dirt out and see if there really is an invisible bridge there. And uh, you can't see the bridge, and yet I still have to take a step. Yeah. And, and I find that very challenging. Do you find that the act of doing something like taking your blood pressure increases your blood pressure? Yeah. It's, it, you, when I first started doing this protocol, it absolutely it felt that way. But my blood pressure was already like stage two hypertensive. Yeah. And like, like it was so high that they're like, we don't really understand how you're walking around right now. And uh, I don't want to spoil my first pick of top three <laughs> things, but uh, I did find something that actually really helps me turn it around quickly. And now I think I'm pretty good. And, and the blood pressure has dropped pretty significantly over the last, you know, eight weeks. And so uh, things are, things are working okay. But I do have that lab coat thing. Like, uh, you know, they take my blood pressure anytime I go to the dentist, yeah. and and they the res, the result is always, are you okay? Yeah, right. Like, do we need to call someone? Same. I'm like, that's fine. It's a lab coat anxiety, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really struggle with that. I I had a I had to one time at the doctor's office, I had to verbally decline to go to the emergency room, like my wow, blood pressure yeah. was high enough that they were legally obligated to send me to the <laughs> emergency room, and I had to offer a verbal. Uh, I verbally decline that. Um, I, now that and that's just like, do you do have you do you have any sort of practice around monitoring your blood pressure? Yes, I I check my blood pressure not daily, but a few times a week, and I take medication yeah. for blood pressure. And okay. The last time I had a panic attack was it was triggered by taking my blood pressure and and thinking it was too high, and then. Yep it led to like taking it again and it was even higher and it just kind of spiraled. <laughs> um, right. It did not go well. I missed, I missed my it's... psychiatry appointment because I was having a panic attack <laughs> because I knew oh, they were going to take my blood pressure when I got there. So I wanted to have some idea like, so I could tell them, no, it was, here's what my reading was before my lab coat yeah. uh, syndrome kicked in. And then I was like, Oh my God, I can't go. <laughs> I can't let them take my blood pressure when it's this high. <laughs> Yeah. How do you do with how do you do with needles? I'm fine with needles. I was a heroin addict. I do fine with needles. Oh god, you know I should have I should have thought about that before <laughs> I asked that question. Of course I know that. I know your backs. I know your origin story. I I am hugely needle phobic and so I have to I, I have to get like they use the baby needles on me. They use infant needles yeah. to like draw blood. Yeah. <laughs> so it takes longer. But I will roll like the eyes roll back and I'll 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 I drop every time. It's it's very challenging. Oh. <laughs> and dumb and so dumb. Yeah. That would be that would be rough. I actually really enjoy uh when they when they take blood samples and stuff, I like to watch. It's a weird fascination yeah, not, I have. I'm not trucking with this right now. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take a, a quick moment here to talk about uh, today's sponsor, which is BetterHelp uh, Online uh, Remote Therapy that I'm actually really excited about. Um, so for me, uh, living with AD, ADHD and bipolar kind of is one of the hurdles I have to overcome uh, on my journey to happiness. Um, and I think everyone has something that's preventing them from achieving their goals. BetterHelp is professional therapy available remotely 
Uh, you just fill out a detailed questionnaire and they match you with a professional therapist that's perfect for you, licensed in the state where you live. And then you connect in a safe and private online environment in whatever way works for you. You can do just text messages or you can do weekly video calls. Uh, you, yeah, so uh, whatever you're comfortable with, but all from the comfort of your own home. Uh, once you filled out your questionnaire, you can start communicating with your counselor in under 24 hours. And this isn't self-help, it's professional counseling. I see a psychiatrist who takes care of all my prescription needs, but I, honestly, I don't have great access to any kind of therapy where I live. Uh, I've never found a counselor that I really meshed with, uh, which is why I got excited about BetterHelp. Um, I filled out the questionnaire. I got matched with a therapist who specialized in my needs uh, within about three hours. And I had my first session last week. And I have to say, I had a really great day afterward. Uh, it was easy, professional. And I think it's going to be really helpful for me. Um, it's more affordable than traditional counseling, too. Financial aid is available in many areas. And in addition to things like ADHD and bipolar, there are counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anger, LGBT matters, grief, sleep, trauma, just about any specific need you have. Uh, I've had my own share of loss lately, so I found opening up to my therapist about my grieving process to be a uh, major help. Uh, and of course, anything you do share is completely confidential. So for my listeners, I want you all to start living a happier life today. Uh, if you use my special link, you'll get 10% off your first month. Uh, visit betterhelp.com systematic. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash systematic. So a big thanks to BetterHelp for supporting the show today. And that brings us to our top three picks. Ah, the top three picks. This was uh, excruciating. Really? Narrowing it down or finding three? Yeah. Oh, narrowing it down. Like, I went back through your show notes in the podcast just to scroll down. I, I love that you include links to these things in the show notes because it's so easy to just scan. And I don't have anything that anybody has picked yet, I don't think. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I, hope, I hope some things are interesting to people. All right. Well, what's your first one? The first one is related. Actually, two of them are actually related to my healing process. And this one is a, a bit more luxurious. It is a sauna. Uh, it is the Radiant Sauna Harmony Deluxe Oversized Portable Sauna Cabin Size. It's ridiculous. You look ridiculous in it, but it's one of the, it's like cloth. It's like that heat insulated cloth uh, fabric, and you zip yourself up in it in a chair. And it is an infrared sauna, so your head sticks out the top, and your hands. It has little hand holes if you want to like you know hold your phone or an iPad or do something. And then you just crank the heat. I, I crank it to 150 degrees, and I sit in it for an hour a day. And I'm not kidding you, man. It drops my blood pressure 20 points. Really? doing immediate before and after um, readings. Um, it, you get a good sweat on. It improves my circulation. It just, it's incredibly relaxing. It just feels great. So an in-room, like we keep it in the corner of our bedroom and it's it's an in-room sauna and it's it's crazy. I never in a million years would have expected that I would be a guy recommending a personal sauna on Systematic, but here we are. <laughs> This is the cross which we will bear. I uh, I go to a uh, health center that has a sauna available, and it's I think it's IR. It's a dry sauna, and yeah. I, I can't go over about 120 in it. Uh, it's like it's a room you go in and sit down. Yeah, and I get really bored and really sweaty, and I've never found it. Um, like it, I've definitely found it helpful for health reasons, but I've never found that to balance out the discomfort I feel. So do you find this enjoyable? I do. I do. It took a little bit and I had to work up to it. Um, especially because there's this stage when you're doing it that you get the prickly heat yeah. where everything just sort of starts to itch, yeah. but you get past that and then you're just like dripping sweat. And it is an incredible detox, right? You're just like, I was talking to my doctor and she said, there are only three ways that we get things like we detox our body, right? It's like urine, feces and sweat. Yeah. And most people, if especially 
well, I, you know, speaking just for myself, like as, as a nerd, I don't work out a lot. Like <laughs> I, not to associate like nerds and working out, but <laughs> I'm just one of those people that I would much rather be, you know, working on a podcast or a website or something like that. Yeah. And so it's, it's hard for me to engage and really fall in love with, with like getting a sweat on. And so I do the bare minimum of physical activity that I can to stay healthy. And then I go sweat and it's amazing. So I don't know, maybe it's a, a dumb shortcut, but it sure is helping the, uh, the blood pressure right so now. How much would one of these set a person back? Oh, geez. What is it? I mean, it's a couple hundred bucks. Oh, a couple um, hundred. That's, I would have, I would have two... guessed higher. No, no, no. Um, well, it's currently unavailable. Two uh, the uh, other other ways to buy on Prime two eighty six sixty one. Huh. All right. So three hundred bucks, a little less than three hundred bucks. Um, I love it, and it's I'll I'll send you the link, obviously, to this. Stuff, yeah, so. yeah, that's number one. Um, are you? Do you now? Are you doing top three picks anymore? Have you totally abdicated your responsibility? I, I abdicated to share your my picks? responsibility uh, to keep myself from burning out. I yeah, you gotta, yeah, that's a lot of things. Like I'll throw one in here and there, uh, yeah. especially if I have if I have something I'm in love with that is related to a guest pick. But yeah, I'm no longer trying to do this every week. My my next one's also related. I talked about it a little bit. It's the it's the blood pressure cuff. But I got the Wythings uh, BPM Connect blood pressure cuff. If you have any reason to have one of these things around, this one is really cool and it connects to all your smart devices. So you just, you know, you put it on, it's recharges by USB and it push a button and it takes your reading. It has a little, uh, a little led on it, uh, and gives you the reading and then wirelessly connects to its, to its network and, and gives you a report that you can then send to your doctor. And I, uh, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of it because it's, it's taken a lot of the, like the manual reading yeah. is, is an anxiety inducing sure. thing for me. And, uh, and so it's just fast and easy and quick and it's, it's reduced the barrier to, to actually, you know, monitoring my health, that, especially as I get older, right? Like, ugh. is that around the wrist or the arm? No, it's an arm cuff. Cool. Yeah, my doctor made me get cuff, rid of my wrist one and switch to using an arm cuff. Why Why the wrist ones aren't reliable? That's what he said, or at least not in my mm. case. I, I, was getting, I was getting non-standard readings that didn't agree with his, his uh, in-office readings to the extent that okay. he wanted me to get an arm cuff, and it turned out I was getting more accurate readings with the arm cuff. Interesting. I, that's fascinating. I, you know, I think about that with the Apple Watch too. I'm an Apple Watch guy. And so I, like, I've, I've been wondering why they have not added some blood pressure sensor to the Apple Watch. And that's, that makes more sense. Like they just, they, uh, you know, I don't know how anything works <laughs> inside this and inside the body. And so uh, clearly I'm not equipped to comment, but that, that would make sense to you me. You would have to have uh, like an inflatable band on the... Inflatable band, right? <laughs> right, right. That but there be, could be a definite uh, use for that. I could see like, yeah, especially for certain people with heart conditions, having a constant blood pressure monitor could be... It could be anxiety inducing 100%, but could also yeah. be very useful. Well, I, you know, when my dad had his heart attack and he had he had a, a quadruple bypass. And so after we were done with that process, we're sitting in the hospital room and I'd gotten him an Apple Watch. This was the Series 5 with all the heart when they yeah. introduced a lot of the heart stuff. And I would run it on his wrist in parallel to what they were doing with the hospital yeah. monitoring equipment. And it was perfect. Nice it was lockstep. So like, I feel, I feel pretty good about their ability to do that. If they're not doing it yet, there's gotta be a reason. Uh, so anyway, that's, uh, that was my number two is that uh, blood pressure cuff. And the third one, I gotta recommend a podcast because you know, podcaster. And so I listen to a ton of podcasts. I mean, way too many podcasts. And uh, there, I listen to them all in order to get through them. I've got to listen to them at slightly faster speed, right? So, sure. you know, speed and a half, double speed, whatever, uh, just to, to stay through them all. There is one podcast that I listen to at one X speed and I, it, it's not new to me, but as a music fan and as a Prince fan, if you are not listening or have not listened to Prince, the official podcast yet, you need to do it. It is so, so good. 
Uh, and it is in partnership with the Prince Estate and 89.3, is it 89.3, the current? Yeah. Um, it's in partnership with those two institutions and this uh, fantastic music journalist, uh, does this episode. It was, it was in partnership when they released the extended, expanded sets of, um, Sign of the Times, 1999 and Purple Rain. And she interviews everyone that has been in and around Prince's life. And, uh, they use, uh, they have access to every single piece of music in the prince estate and the prince library and they they just created a uh like a, a I, I mean it's a it's a work of art this podcast it's just fantastic so if you're a prince fan and you haven't experienced this particular podcast highly recommended i'm a prince appreciator like i have a lot of respect for for his music and and yeah. what he accomplished and i'm a i'm a minnesota guy so first avenue paisley yeah. park i've been kicked out of paisley sure. park um, <laughs> what do you what do you have to do to get kicked out of paisley you park? have to be there with a jerk of a lead singer who pees in the bushes and gets in fights uh, and i did uh, not personally do anything to disparage paisley park but we all got kicked out that's terrible but like I said, like yeah. I, I, I have a I have a definite appreciation. Well, I can't say that if I'm gonna sit down and listen to music that I would choose to listen to Prince, when it's on, I can be like, This is really good. He's a really talented guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, they've done an incredible job with these big super deluxe editions and they've they brought some stuff out from the vault that's sort of puzzling why they never got released like at the time, because it, and when I think it's because, you know, they're they're shaping his his persona, right, and who he is, but the the variety of styles and tones that that he was capable of, um, it's it's pretty stunning. And you know, it's on Spotify and and um, Apple Music and all the right places, so you you don't have to buy the thirteen LP <laughs> and DVD version of the super deluxe edition. It's like nine hours of of music curated music but it's definitely worth uh you know checking out and uh, you know if you if you are a fan i'm i um i've been a fan since i was a kid and i just uh, you know i've seen prince live five times wow. and i just uh it's 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 ridiculous nice all right don't cr don't crush my don't crush my fandom terps hey, no i like i said <laughs> i no judgment at all i saw yeah, him right. i saw him live at a a block party in Minneapolis once, but I've never been to a like actual show. But like I said, yeah, no, pretty, I have a strong appreciation. I, I no uh, no judgment. Just I was too busy with punk rock to get into Prince. I think. Yeah, no, I get it. Well, if you in as a parallel pick, if you're if you're an enterprising nerd and you just want to see some crazy, overwrought, wildly flamboyant, overdesigned pointer takeover, crazy scrolling web design, visit Prince.com because it's obnoxious. Nice. It is obnoxious uh, what they were able to do, and and for some reason, I, this is this is a site I'm okay with it on because it's Prince. <laughs> it makes sense. It it kind of feels it makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel like I, I jumped topics enough that I didn't get to really uh, take advantage of your general uh, vastness of skills and knowledge. Um, I feel like I feel like it was a very ADD conversation, which <laughs> to be expected to some extent, but yeah, I may have to have you on again to further plumb your depths. You know, I would love it, Brett. I'm a huge fan and uh, of of your work, and I'm you know as a user of your tools, uh, it's it's a real thrill to hang out with you as always. So, um, whenever you whenever you have an opening and uh, you want to lower expectations, I'll be here. All right. Do you have a, uh, a a a central place people can find you and all of your work? Um, it's TrueStory.fm is where all the podcasts are, and I'm at Pete Wright on Twitter. I'm not there all that much, but you know, that's, I, I do respond if anybody wants to chat. All right. And check the show notes for as many links as I can pull together from today's uh, uh, broad ranging conversation. And, uh, and thanks a lot, Pete. Hey, thank you, Brent. I think we, I think we did good. I think we really changed some lives today. Nailed it. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Systematic. 
Check out more episodes at systematicpod.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Find me as TT Scoff on all social platforms and follow Systematic at Systemcast, S-Y-S-T-M-C-A-S-T on Twitter. Thanks for listening.